Hello, this is Brian Drummond, the original voice of Vegeta, and you are listening to a Toonami Faithful exclusive. Hello guys and welcome to this Toonami Faithful exclusive interview and today I have a special guest and uh, would you like to introduce yourself sir? Yes hello my name's Brian Drummond it's uh, exciting to be here. And uh, thank you for taking the time to do this interview of course I had no some problems doing this getting ready so. <laughs> no worries we're, we're up and running now it's all good. Yes so uh, first question is, is how did you get your start in voice acting? Well, that's the big one, but uh, um, I started in theater school. I, I got into a great theater school in the Vancouver area, and when I graduated from there, did did stage work and some film and TV on the stuff that was being shot out here in Vancouver, like X-Files and Stargate and a few of those bits and pieces. But I kind of stumbled across, uh, I think kind of maybe there was an advertisement or something I saw about some voiceover work on a, a new series that was going to be recorded here by uh, at this mainframe studios at the time called Reboot. And uh, they were doing some uh, some initial casting, and I went out for an audition for it. Um, uh, I did not get a role uh, in my, my first audition, but shortly after that I auditioned for a new G.I. Joe series I heard about. Um, and they were doing a big cattle call, and I landed one of the one of the recurring leads on that show, um, a character who was called Ballistic initially, but I guess that name was a little too aggressive uh, for for kids' Saturday morning TV, so they changed it to Eagle Eye because he was the sharpshooter. And I worked with Sue Blue, who's uh, a fantastic uh, director out of L.A., directed tons of uh, Ninja, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and piles of stuff, just a great director. Learned a ton on that show, and it went from there. Shortly after that, I booked uh, Vegeta on Dragon Ball Z that was starting up up here, and uh, and it went from there. That was the mid-90s, and and 20-plus um, years later, it's uh, that's all I do is voiceover. So that's how it started. Okay. Well, that kind of answers my second question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what was that? Uh, I was going to ask, was, was voice acting always something you wanted to do? Or? Actually, no. No, uh, you know, even when I was in theater school, didn't even cross my mind um, uh, as a performer before theater school. And I, I always wanted to do um, stage and film and TV. And, and as you know, as you're as a performer, you're trying to, you know, make money by any means possible. You know, some people are standing on the streets trying to busk if you can play an instrument or or doing whatever you can. And and um, uh, it seemed like a really interesting uh, uh, you know, idea when I when I saw what was happening up here, I didn't actually realize the industry was really starting to boom at that point. Through the late '80s, it just kind of started to get rolling, and early into the '90s, it really started to take off up here. And I was lucky enough to get in, uh, uh, sort of in the early stages of it, and uh, and book a role and and learn from some of the some of the greats that were that were getting started at that time. But it wasn't something that I always wanted to do. But once I got involved in it, it was something I, I never wanted to stop doing. And it looks like you're still doing it to this day. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. so hey. go ahead. 
every day. I just got out of the studio yesterday. And good thing, although today I didn't have a session today to record, which is great because I, I woke up with a sore throat and I was like, that's the one thing as a voice performer, you got to try to avoid the bugs that go around at uh, this time of the year and flu season and cold season and the winter time in Canada. So uh, mind you, where you are, it's probably the same thing. So right. um, I got lucky the day before my record session went fine. I'm glad I didn't have one today because it might have been a little rough. So that that kind of leads into a question um, my one of my podcast hosts uh, wanted to ask, and sure. uh, he was interested in wondering: Is the dubbing industry in Canada? Because that's where you're recording, right? Is in yeah, Canada. Yeah. Uh, is has that diminished at all over the years, or is it I still think... fla- is still like doing stuff actively? Yeah, there is work that still has that happens up here actively, but uh, it has. Um, uh, from my perspective, uh, diminished. I don't do as much uh, dubbing uh, as as I used to. When you're starting out and you're doing more, uh, some of your first work as a performer, dubbing obviously takes way more time. It's way more difficult, and it pays like a fraction of what uh, prelay work is, what we call it when we're recording something that hasn't been animated yet, um, a fraction of the amount of money that, that, that prelay work pays. So, you know, if you have an opportunity to be on prelay shows and new shows like the Disney DreamWorks, all that kind of stuff, as opposed to dubbing work, um, you take that work first. And, and that work sort of, um, as it got into the 2000s and in the past 10 years or so, sort of overtook a lot of the um, dubbing work that I used to do. But it is much, I believe it's quieter than it used to be um, through the the mid-90s and into the um, uh, early part of 2000, like those first 10, 15 years, there was a ton of shows that were happening here and of which I worked on a lot of them. Um, but it's a little quieter now. Uh, there's still, you know, some, some pretty cool shows that are happening up here, but I'm not uh, involved in them. I usually sort of have to tell my agent if it's, if the, the prelay shows are too busy and, and I'm invested a lot of time in those, I won't have time to go out for, for dubbing projects. Okay. So you voiced a, a lot of characters over the years. I, I kind of, yeah. I had to look up your IMDb just to make sure I had everything. Yeah. Um, well, that'll take a few pages, I think. But yes, uh, yes, it does. I don't know everything. <laughs> I have to, I have, I have to refer to IMDb to know what I did. <laughs> so you, you've been in DBZ, you've been in Death yeah. Note, um, you've been yeah. in Gundam Wing as Zex Marquis. If some people yeah. don't know that, um, yeah. and you've also been in Gundam Seed as well. What are some other projects that you want fans to know, whether they be recent or even like more of the older shows? Well, for back in the day, I think for for dubbing stuff, I'm just trying to think of the ones that I was on more more often. Like there were sort of consistent shows I worked on. I remember there was a kind of a fun one called Monster Rancher uh, way back in the day. I did a character. I remember called that Tiger. show? Yeah, Tiger of the Wind. I played on that one. His okay. name's Tiger, but he's a blue wolf. Get that? I don't know, but he's, it was a pretty fun <laughs> show. Um, Black Lagoon, if anybody's seen something, you know, a lot darker, but but pretty fun. Um, I sort of play one of the crew on that on that show, a guy named Benny. Um, and that's a that's a real wild show, a pretty wild ride. Not for the kids to watch that one, but it's a it's a it's a pretty uh, pretty know, fun. It actually suit. was on Toonami, actually, like a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah. Interesting show. Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, I think I played a guy named Flanagan Boone on that one. A couple other characters. Inuyasha. I did some stuff. Uh, Ren Kotsu was a character I played on Inuyasha. Card Captors was more of a, a kid-friendly one that was from the year, years ago. I was on that one. I played the 
the main characters, uh, Sakura's dad on that one, Aiden Avalon was his name. And, and a lot of people remember the Escaflone series and even the movie Visions of Escaflone. I played Alan Shazar on that one, and that was uh, another big anime show back in the day. But aside from the anime stuff, it's it's even piles of things from, as you had noted, uh, you know, Wolverine in a few movies. And, you know, even back in the day, I played Dr. Glaw in Inspector Gadget series and movie and Knuckles in Sonic Underground, and uh, I played Venom and Iron Man before, and um, even a bunch of stuff in Masters of the Universe. Uh, that was Stinkhorn Too Bad I did on on that show. And, um, of course, all the Transformers stuff from back in the day. I worked with Sue Blue a long time ago in the late 90s on Beast Machines when I played Jetstorm, and then we redid not some of my favorite um, uh, Transformers shows, but... Blur, I was on Transformers Armada, and Shock Blast on Transformers Energon, and Jetfire and Jolt on Transformers Cybertron, all those old dubbing uh, Transformers series, which were pretty wild too, but it's been uh, it's been a, a fun and long slog of, of, of anime and, and prelay and, and dubbing, and uh, but, but good, but good, real fun time. Okay. Uh, speaking of Wolverine, how how did that come about? How did you get the role of Wolverine in some of these uh, miniseries that are out there? Well, there was some... Uh, that stuff is... Um, uh, I guess they call it... Some of them are called like motion comic uh, movies and or series. We did a Hulk versus Wolverine and Hulk versus Sabretooth and, and some origin stories, uh, Wolverine Origins. Um, I don't know, it just showed up as one of the producers, uh, I think it might have been Atomic that was working on it up here, that was producing those shows, and um, they had a, a voice in mind of what they were looking for, a voice match, you know, and it was similar to uh, what Steve Bloom was doing, they wanted a sound that was sort of in that range, and so auditions went out for it, and, and I was the one they wanted to to play the, that role, which was great, because it's... Uh, he's one of my favorite um, Marvel characters of, of all time, so it was it was a... It was a blast to do it, and some really fun movies. It's a bit of a voice trasher because there's so much fighting in those movies, but um, but it was fun. It was it was a lot of fun. Okay, and uh, speaking of Gundam, you yeah. uh, you played Andrew Waltfield in Gundam Seed, the original yeah. dub. Um, yeah. They recently announced that there was uh, a new dub for the Gundam Seed that's coming that writes stuff and. Uh, Ngozi, I, I can never pronounce that company's name that's along yeah, with yeah. them. Um, and I noticed that your character's name wasn't mentioned on there. Um, were, are you going to be returning as that character, possibly? Uh, highly unlikely, highly unlikely. Okay. I haven't seen it on a list of something that's coming through town here, so I'm assuming it's probably being done somewhere else, and someone else will have an awesome chance at uh, putting their uh, flavor on Andrew Walfeld themselves, which... Uh, Good for them. You know, we all get to have, uh, you know, a crack at some of these roles, just like Wolverine's been played by a lot of guys, and Vegeta's been played by a few different people, Dr. Claude, a couple different people. You know, we all get a crack at them, and, and, it's, and it's fun to be able to do them. That won't stop in the future. When I'm uh, long gone, there'll be someone probably taking on some of these roles that we did for years and, and putting their own spin on them, which is great. Okay, uh, so how did how did the how did you get the role of Vegeta in the first place? How did that come about? Well, that's just the same as uh, any of the the projects we've worked on. As as uh, my agent knew that I was interested in voiceover while I was doing other stuff, projects 
These projects come by the agents first. When someone's casting a show, they send out the breakdowns to the agents. The agents send them out to their talent, and, uh, you know, they say, well, we want you to read for this one, this one, and that one. So I probably read for, you know, I probably read for Goku and Vegeta, and I think I read for a, a number of the characters, Krillin. I can't even remember at the time. And um, I had no idea about the show at all. This is mid-'90s. Um, None of us here in Vancouver had. We were flying by. I mean, Funimation was flying by the seat of the pants at the time, and uh, you know, trying to figure out how to put this stuff together, how to even uh, to uh, to to write it, and you know, translate it properly, and make the scripts make sense, and and in a way that uh, TV was going to be allowed to air it, because some of it was, you know, stuff that they couldn't even air, like on Toonami. Uh, you know, they can put this stuff out there now, but. Obviously, we couldn't say blast you to hell. We had to say blast you into another dimension. They had to re, you know, recolor over all those stuff that looked like blood and make it look like dirt. You know, cut, put clothing over all the bare butts and stuff. So it was a, uh, you know, a, a, it was a, the wild west of trying to uh, 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 run that business back at that time. And that character just came across my my, you know. Uh, uh, my table and and when i went into audition you know barry who was the the producer on the show he said yeah he's a diminutive guy he's he's uh, but he's full of attitude he wants to you know uh, you know he's got a pretty big uh uh you know a bit of a megalomaniac you know a superiority complex i don't know all kinds of stuff but he's also a prince from where he comes from so there's got to be a little re- regality to it so I just threw out some some ideas, and they picked one, and I ended up um, uh, taking on that role. The voice morphed over a little bit of time as I as I uh, we we got through that Frieza series, and uh, and then obviously changed again once it moved on to uh, to Funimation with uh, with Chris in in uh, in Dallas. So uh, speaking of that, um, obviously you weren't part of Dragon Ball Z Kai, and you weren't. Part of. Well, we did do uh, Kai up oh, here. Oh, you did. You did do Kai. Yeah, yeah it, hasn't, it hasn't aired anywhere, as far as I know yet. I finished it like a couple years ago um, as Vegeta again. Some of the other roles changed up, um, but I played Vegeta again for the whole of Kai. And whether it's going to reappear or, sh- or show up in a DVD format, I don't know. Uh, just some pressure from the fans, I think, would probably get it out there because it has been done. It's all been recorded. It's completed, and I've never seen the final aspect of it. But I know I was paid to go to a lot of sessions and do a whole lot of screaming again as Vegeta, and uh, it's out there. But okay. uh, we've got okay. to see who, who will uh, who will pick it up and and air it or put it straight to a DVD box set or something. I don't know. Um, but it's that part's out of my hands. Right. So but so I, the version know. that we saw wasn't the version that you did. Pretty no, much. no, no. No, that's a, that's the Funimation version, uh, okay. but we did, we did. Well, there's a whole other version of it that's been wow. recorded in the can, as it would be, and hmm. uh, I'd love to see it myself. <laughs> I, I would know. love, to, I would love to hear that version too. Actually, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. So, um, so recently you were able to come back to the role here in Dragon yeah. Ball Super. How did that all come about? Well, you know, Chris and I uh, over over in the in the past year. It, We'd have, you know, uh, um, a couple of uh, direct messages back and forth over Twitter. And and uh, we said, you know, we got to catch up for a beer sometime. He seems like a super cool guy. And uh, I, I'm sure we'd hit it off. We've had, we haven't met yet, but we thought we'd... Uh, We'd ever we'd hit it off. So he ever said, "If you ever in Dallas, we got to catch up." And and I said, "Yeah, if you're ever up here, same thing." And um, and then he said, "Yeah, you know, if some role ever showed up uh, on on DB on uh, Dragon Ball Super, would you would you be interested to maybe you know throw something out there?" I said, "Yeah, I'm not sure what it is, but uh, depends on my schedule. But maybe you know, let me know." 
And sure enough, um, this fall, he threw me a direct message on Twitter and he said, you know, you, you wouldn't believe it, but I have this idea, this character's coming up, which is actually Vegeta. Again, a copy of Vegeta, this sort of form takes him over and he's sort of a purple looking Vegeta, but for two, three episodes, uh, Vegeta loses his power and this other um, uh, Vegeta takes it over his powers. And I, I, I thought, well, that sounds pretty wild. He said in the original Japanese, the same guy did the role, but he thought it might be kind of a, a fun little Easter egg and a fun thing for the fans if um, if I came back and voiced that version of Vegeta. And I thought, that's a great idea, actually. And uh, made an arrangement uh, with a studio up here. We set it up um, and uh, recorded it all one morning in like four hours. And Away they went, and it was uh, it was a blast. I'm, I'm glad he got a hold of me because it was really fun to do. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think a lot of fans uh, were happy to hear you again. So. Yeah, I know. I got a lot of I got a lot of great uh, Twitter love came out there about that. So uh, it was it was super fun to talk to all the fans, and it was it was nice to just sort of do something for them because there's there's a lot of people who who followed the show from the beginning and probably saw some of that uh, initial. Um, uh, Frieza series when it first aired uh, in the U.S. And, and and got hooked on it then, and then the voices changed, and and then they got hooked on it again, and and to sort of hear it come back, there were a lot of people, and of course in in Canada, and I believe in in England and a few other places, they actually hear heard all of our uh, Dragon Ball um, version, the one that we did, because we did we recorded most of the series up here, well past the Frieza series. And then obviously uh, Kai, which hasn't come out yet, but we recorded it all. So that's that's what the Canadian uh, uh, kids that watch TV and, and in England watch TV. They heard um, the Ocean version. The Ocean version of Dragon Ball Z, or yeah, yeah, well, well past the well past the Freezer uh, saga oh, okay. into Wu saga and all that other stuff. And you're talking about you're talking about Kai too as well. Uh, not well, they haven't had heard Kai yet. We did it, but it has that hasn't been released anywhere yet. So oh, okay. I'm not sure where that's going to show up. Hmm. That'll be interesting to see. Well, and, and, and also, like, it, it, Dragon Ball Super, there's Toonami Asia, which is a yeah. channel over overseas in the Asian market. It actually has, um, I don't know if you know this, but they actually have, through Bang Zoom, they're doing their own English dub, which is interesting because you're kind of like, okay, so they're recording it in America, but then it's going overseas. That's, that's really weird. You know what I mean? What? They're doing another English dub of Dragon Ball Super. Yeah, wow, that's bizarre. Yeah, it's yeah. all got to, it's it's all got to do with rights holders and who have rights to certain areas. And instead of buying what someone did, I think it just just and that was the same with Ocean Studios. Must have been the rights that they had yeah. that they were able to keep on doing it with uh, with the cast up here. And um, even though it, it moved to be uh, uh, done by the by the Funimation Group in in Dallas, so yeah, I don't know all that stuff. But it's uh, I just show up when they say. Put your face in front of this mic, Brian, and say these words, and, and I do it. <laughs> so, so if anything, if Funimation threw anything at you, you'd be game, whether it be Dragon Ball Super or another uh, anime series? Yeah, that's possible. That's possible. There are some complications because I'm in, in Canada, and there's, uh, you know, there's different unions across border and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's not likely that I'll be doing uh, anything like that in the, in the near future. But it was, uh, it was a blast to sort of do a, a fun a fun little little thing for the as a, a bit of an Easter egg in this uh, uh, Dragon Ball Super thing for the fans. That was kind of fun to do, but I, I wouldn't see too much happening in the future. Okay. And uh, finally, uh, what can uh, what can fans hear you in these days? And if there are any upcoming projects you can talk about, like what can they what will they see you coming up in? 
Well, the newest stuff, whenever you say coming up, there's, we, there's so many non-disclosure agreements we have to sign these days, it's bizarre. So, <laughs> yes. I, on, on, on almost every single show, um, there's a stack of papers that's twice as thick as the contract we signed for the show that has all the NDA stuff that we have to sign. So stuff that I'm working on generally is almost impossible to talk about, although there's some pretty fun stuff out there. But, um, uh, yeah, the stuff that's out there right now, um, obviously sort of the newer things would be Dino Trucks and Dino Trucks Supercharged, more of a kid's series Super Monsters. I've still been in, involved in Model Pony uh, projects. There's a great PBS series called Ready Jet Go, which is a phenomenal show about space. There's a really funny one actually coming out called, believe it or not, Wish Fart. And uh, <laughs> I, I play the king of the underworld on that one. There's like leprechauns, king of the underworld, ghosts, and it's really well written. Just a hilarious show. I'm not sure on what networks it's going to be airing, but if you... If you if you uh, um, Google Wish Fart, you'll probably see a little bit about the series. But I know um, the few episodes of that that I did, it was really some funny writing, um, some great stuff. Really funny show out there right now. I think it's on YTV in Canada called Chuck's Choice, which is uh, hilarious. Some great uh, writing on that one as well. And um, aside from that, I'm trying. I can only usually talk about things that I know have gone to air and or or well, that's or, that's perfectly or, fine. Yeah, we don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah, I know. As soon as they say one thing, then, you know, there's some <laughs> lawyers calling me and I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> but, uh, that, yeah, those are some of the ones that we're working on right now. And uh, and that'll be out there soon. But there is some there's some fun stuff coming too. Uh, believe me, it's Vancouver's busy, probably second only to L.A. as far as um, animation markets are concerned, not just from the uh, uh, building, the behind the scenes and the actual animation, but from the voiceover side. It's uh, it's a busy city right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brian, for uh, doing this interview with us today. And no uh, worries. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Out yeah. To thanks for uh, rearranging the time too. I uh, realized I had this play to get to tonight, so I appreciate you being being able to do it a little bit earlier for me. Yeah. No problem. Well, have a good day, sir. All right. You too, man. Thank you.